Welcome to the Brand Party Podcast. I'm your host, Christine from CL Designs. If you know me, execution and getting shit done is my middle name. This podcast will energize you to invest in your brand in new ways. Join me for tips, insights, and actions you can take to make your brand a priority in your business. My guests and I deliver honest, to-the-point advice you can implement right away. Your brand is worth celebrating. It can be fun, and I'll show you how. Let's get this party started. Eric Huberman is the founder and CEO of award-winning Hawk Media, the fastest growing marketing consultancy in the United States. Launched in 2014, Hawk Media has been valued at $75 million and has grown from seven to over 150 employees in Los Angeles, New York, and Boston. The company has serviced over 2,000 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups to household names like Red Bull, Verizon, Wireless, and Alibaba. As a serial entrepreneur and marketing expert, Huberman is a sought-after thought leader in the world of digital marketing, entrepreneurship, sales, and business as Forbes 30 Under 30. Here's Eric. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for joining in on the fun on the Brand Party Podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I want to dive right in and ask you, how does Brand Party resonate with you? Well, I like brands and I'm one for a party, so I'd say it resonates with me. <laughs> but funny enough, we have a Slack channel we run with about 2,000 brand participants called brandclub.la. resonates quite closely. <laughs> it's a good feeling, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what would you say to those who feel overwhelmed by their branding and design challenges right now? I think that it's unhealthy to get overwhelmed. Don't take life that seriously. <laughs> I think there's no one needs to be overwhelmed. It's, you know, do what you need to do, do what you can do. But, you know, take control of the things you can control and let go of the things you can't, I think is a big thing. I think overwhelmed comes with the focusing on the things you can't control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, relieve some of that pressure a little bit. Yeah, allows you to do better work anyways. Mm -hmm. And then Hawk Media has created so much magic as well versus a smoke and mirrors approach to marketing that is so refreshing. But now more than ever, we absolutely need that strong digital presence to stand out in the market. What are some of your tips that we can provide to adapt in that ever-changing market? Couple things. One, uh, don't chase the shiny objects. So like people, there's a lot of talk around adaptation and uh, innovation, et cetera. And I think people jump really quickly onto new platforms and things in marketing that end up just being a wasted effort, wasted focus, wasted time, money. I think really being good at what you're good at and doubling down and going deep is probably usually a better move. And that doesn't mean like always have a smaller portion of your time and money spent on innovative ideas and things to always push the envelope. But the core of your focus should be on the things that are working and how to extrapolate from that. I run into this all the time with my own team where it's like, we have this whole new initiative that we've never tested and we have no idea how it's going to work. And we're going to spend the next month working on that. I'm like, why don't you spend a few days on that? And let's spend most of the month working on the fact that all these things are working. And if we just tweak a couple of things, we're going to do a lot better than we're already doing. And it's like tweaking and it being iterative goes a lot further than just constantly throwing new giant ideas out. Yeah. I think you really need to enjoy that process too, because that's yeah. where the, the innovation and tweaking comes from too, right? In that sense. Like being inquisitive, you know, being curious is really important in marketing. Like you have to constantly be like, well, I wonder if this happens. What happens if I change this? What, well, that didn't work. And then measuring it so you actually know how it worked out. People naturally like doing that. They love marketing. If they don't, they are going to hate it. 
<laughs> There's a lot of DIYers out there too, right? Who are trying to market their business. And so what is the point that you feel like people should start really considering either outsourcing or hiring out uh, when it gets yeah. past that point? So I'm a firm believer in like focusing at what you're good at. So like the idea of like, uh, there's a lot of people out there that like try to create their own product, build their own website, run their own ads. And like, you're going to be doing everything mediocre because you're not focusing on being the best at one thing. And I think like, that's literally the entire thesis of our company. Like our marketers, like people just do Facebook ads or just do email marketing or just do web design. It's then the idea is like deep expertise goes a lot further. And in a competitive market that is marketing and is selling products, uh, you're going to lose whoever's the best. And so my view of like the perfect synergy is you should be the best at delivering your product or service. That's your job as a business owner, whatever your product, my product or service is marketing, but whatever yours is, that's what you focus on. And then all of the other pieces that go into building that business, you either hire or outsource for depending on if it needs to be internal and a core piece, or if you're better off with a third party, I believe in marketing, you're generally better off in a third party. And pretty much every fortune 500 company agrees with me on that in terms of the agency landscape, uh, because that outside perspective is a big part of when getting marketing to work. Yeah, you make a really great point to highlight. And even before talking about it, that you should just let go of the things that you, and it's easier said than done, right? But totally. you will reap the benefits time and time again as you work with experts. I've also been a firm believer that if I can't afford to hire someone to do something, then I shouldn't be working on it either. Mm. In the beginning, you have to generate some revenue and get the business going. But quickly, like if you're spending your time on it because you can't afford to hire someone for it, that's probably not a good use of your time either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's not scalable if you're doing things that way. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. You've been awarded many different accolades like Forbes 30 under 30 and worked on brands ranging from startups to household names and everything in between. But what do you owe that success and recognition to? So the success I'd say is I I think any level of success for anyone has to do with working hard enough, being smart enough, actually going for it, and then timing. Like I got really lucky with timing. It was a time the kind of looking backwards, I've built three e-commerce companies. The last one that I sold, I built a ton of credibility around. I came out of it just as most companies were finally accepting they have to get into e-commerce and stop ignoring digital. And I was one of the only people in LA that had sold a couple e-commerce companies and was also a free agent that would go help these other brands. And so timing, like just timing it right that way. And I, there's no predicting that. In terms of the accolades, I mean, Forbes under 30 was just, I met the head of Forbes under 30 on a cruise ship and he told me to apply I went back after that cruise and went to apply and I'd missed the date. Uh, And then I got a notice that I was a finalist. Turned out one of my employees had randomly just decided to submit me for it. And then I'm sure it went across his desk. So then I became a finalist. And then the day I won, I actually didn't get a notice, but a bunch of friends did. So all my friends were celebrating and I didn't. And so I was like, I guess I missed it. I was 29 too. So I was like, that's it. And then uh, I was scrolling through all the other, seeing who else won that were friends of mine and scrolled past my own picture. Um, is how I figured it out. And then I went to the judges and all three judges were clients of Hawk Media, just randomly. So there was a little bit of luck in that too. But yeah, I mean, the accolades, a lot of it is just submitting for it. It's funny. There's a joke that I heard recently that just resonates over and over again, which is a guy wakes up every morning and he prays to God every morning to win the lottery. And for years, a decade, every single morning, he wakes up and he sits on you know next to his bed and goes, God, please today, let me win the lottery. And finally, after 10 years of praying, he walks outside, the clouds part, the sky, sun opens up and God speaks to him and goes, you got to meet me halfway and at least buy a ticket. Like 
it, that, that resonates so much. Cause like the reason we win a lot of this, cause we submit for it and then we do good work. And like, sometimes we don't win. Like sometimes someone else did something that they like better, but you put your name out there enough. You're probably going to win some things. Yeah. I think that's such a great lesson as well over the years, having just, you hone in on what you do and you're inevitably going to get better from there. And it's all going to have that ripple effect too, right? Whether it comes with the awards or the recognition or whatnot, but what do you define success as then? I honestly define success as being happy. Like that's it. I have friends that uh, I can't, I grew up in a hippie town, went to a hippie high school with like 11 kids in my graduating class. And I've got one of my closest, oldest friends dropped out of high school, moved to Thailand, moved, bought a bed and breakfast that like she charges five bucks a night to stay at it. But she's now got two kids down there, lives on the beach in Thailand. There's no monetary success. She lives just fine, but she is fully happy. I was talking to her yesterday. Like that, that to me is just as successful as what the success I've created financially is the success someone has going to a day job that they like. I think mm-hmm. the, the key is like life's too short, be happy. And so there's, you know, I just had this conversation on my podcast yesterday, the guy that built Lenny and Larry's again, he said this, but he knows it's going to be public. So I'm comfortable repeating it. He sold his company for what I would estimate would be three to $400 million bootstrapped. He made that money with his partner. And he, uh, I told him, I asked him how that day was, how he felt after that. And he's like, worst day of my life. I'm like, made $300 million. He's like, yeah, my grandkids get to, you know, be fine too, but mm-hmm. I still live in the same house. I drive the same car. I do the same, I have the same hobbies, but I don't get to run my cookie company anymore. I basically changed careers from cookies to real estate, which is fun, but not as. And so to me, I think people get caught up in the money. And what else, what I've realized is uh, there's a pretty low threshold in success. I shouldn't say that low, but it's, you know, it is about that million dollar a year range that once you're over that, there's frankly not much of a difference in lifestyle. It's a decent hurdle. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to be, but like the 1% as people talk about is half a million a year. So whatever that extra less percent, but still like one in every few hundred people make a million dollars plus a year. And at that level, there is nothing above that. And so, and even like, there's a lot of studies around $70,000 a year being really that threshold of happiness. After that, like, Money doesn't really change your happiness. If you love what you do and you want to work and you're, you know, you're driven by the idea to grow a business, great. If you're not and you'd rather like go be in nature or go hang out or do something else, great as well. Like I think the true key is to be happy. I love that. If everybody just takes a moment to pause, let that sink in a little bit. I think we all need definitely more of that in the world. And so bringing it back to if you were a small business owner with a very limited budget, what is in your marketing essentials toolbox? As a small business owner, I think like, first off, you got to get to $20,000 a month in revenue on your own before you start just spending money on marketing. I think that that's kind of the threshold we've seen. And we have a venture fund. That's what we look for before we invest in companies too. Because as an owner, if you can't drive somehow organically through partnerships and relationships to 20 grand a month in revenue, you haven't built a business. And so um, not meaning to be disparaging of anyone below that, but like, step it up. And that's, you're happy running a tiny little thing, then just do that. I, I just wouldn't hire outside marketing help. And so at that point, it really depends on the business. I, I really like to see how far I can take a business organically before I start spending. Spending money on marketing is really just uh, gas on the fire, but there should be a fire, I guess is the point. Mm-hmm. So like when people haven't even launched yet, and the first thing they want to do is spend money on Facebook ads, I think it's a lot of times, unless they've raised funding and they just, they need speed. I think it's a mistake. If you, a lot of businesses don't need that urgency. And so press, influencer marketing, partnerships that'll help get to audiences, things that don't cost money are a great way to start. And then 
start with Facebook ads. But before you do any of that, make sure you have a good website, you have good email marketing. So you nurture that. Cause a lot of people think you run a Facebook ad and they just buy right off the ad. And really the average purchase takes like a month actually, depending, it really depends on your order value, but like a $50 order is about three weeks, hundred dollars, about five weeks, 200 is about six weeks. So it takes real time to actually convert someone. And if you're not following up with them with email, with SMS, with retargeting other things, you're losing a lot of what you're, you're losing a lot of the potential returns on that ad spend. So building that whole funnel is really important too. And then the last thing you do really is then start advertising. Mm-hmm. Cause you touched on this a little bit too, about that one business owner who, you know, he misses his business after he sold it. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think if you're in it for the long haul, there's always that urgency and pressure that we put on ourselves potentially that we feel like we need to rush this quote unquote success. But if you're going to enjoy the process throughout, it's inevitable as you keep working on it from there. But what are some of the ways that business owners can access that fortune 100 level type marketing? That's our whole mission. I mean, our, our, our literally our mission statement, you just said access and our mission statement is accessibility to great marketing. So the idea is like, that's where we're different. So most agencies of our size or bigger go up market. They only want to work with the fortune 2000. They want to high minimums, long contracts, et cetera. And like our mission from the beginning was to make this more accessible. So everything's month to month, a la carte, cost effective, et cetera, but with top tier marketers that have worked at the biggest agencies and the biggest brands in the world. And we've now worked with Unilever and Nike and Alibaba and Verizon and blah, 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 like all these big brands. But we also still work with tiny startups and everything in between. So that has been, frankly, our mission is let's bring, for, as you just said, Fortune 100 marketing to startups. And I will say with the caveat that startups shouldn't be marketing like Fortune 100s. Like there's a different strategy, but now we've marketed companies at every stage that we know what that progression looks like. And then what would you say is that secret sauce then in order to, whether they are working at that organic stage to get to a level where they can start working with you too? Like what is that secret sauce in order to get that higher conversion that they're looking for? Honestly, the secret sauce is logic. A lot Mm -hmm. of people get stuck in spreadsheets and they like don't think about it. So like my favorite thing, and this happens all the time in a negative way actually, which is like, we'll increase, we'll start spending someone's ad budget. All of a sudden we'll spend $10,000 yesterday. And today they'll call me and go, where are all my customers? And it's like, when's the last time you saw one ad for something or how often do you see one ad and then buy immediately? It happens, but out of how many ads you saw, did you buy the thing right away? Almost never. And yet you're expecting that's what's going to happen when we start marketing for you. Like it's, and it's, that's it. it, Marketing really is very uh, logical. And so just taking a step back and thinking through like, how would I act in this situation? How do people normally do this? And you have to be careful using yourself as an example always, because especially entrepreneurs are quirky people, but, um, <laughs> you, but understanding human nature is a big part of it. And I think that is really what drives it is again, no, once you understand that, then you just understand what tools to use. Like you understand it takes someone time to buy something. Well, let's do everything we can to get them to buy it faster, to keep in touch with them during that decision period and you know, accelerate the likelihood they're gonna buy and how fast they buy. It's all these kind of things that go into it once you start to understand people's behavior. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I think most agencies don't. I think most agencies do the same thing our, some of our clients do, which is they look at a spreadsheet, they go, we have this row, like this, especially now the modern digital agency, most of them are stuck in this sort of, echo chamber of ROAS, return on ad spend online. And it's such a misleading number that people boast about that it's like that when I coach our team on this, it's a great indicator to figure out if you're how to optimize, assuming you're doing best practices. Mm -hmm. But I also can take a company and throw, I can get them 50 times return on ad spend. 
by doing very specific things on marketing that will never scale the business, but the return on ad spend will be great. And so it's the idea is like, start with logic, start with scaling, start with how, what's the consumer behavior and then figure out the tools and then use those metrics as a way to optimize those different systems. But my, you know, another thing that comes up a lot is, well, I don't know if Facebook works for us, or I don't know if email marketing works for us. And, you know, people have to get over the idea that their business is really that special. What's special is your product or service, not the methodology in which you get it out there. Yeah, no, those are great points and great prompts for people to kind of tune back into and reflect on and really come back to what those uh, core customer behaviors are as well. Because I think we can assume a lot of things that they might be thinking or going through, but when you really understand the language and what people are actually acting upon is really game changing from there. And yeah. so I have a few rapid fire questions for you, Eric. Are you ready? Yeah. What are you currently celebrating? I just celebrated my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> How did you celebrate your birthday, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no worries. Went to Mexico. Spent a week in Mexico, which was awesome. Mexico actually believes in the coronavirus, so it feels really safe and nice there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. When I first started my business, actually, I, that's the first place that I moved to for a month. I, and it's just nice. beautiful down there. Where were you? Uh, Merida. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful town. And what is the number one thing that you want people to have fun with from this episode? Uh, one thing to have fun with their work. Like you should actually enjoy what you do. It's a crazy concept, but that's, that's our goal, even for our employees. Like we want our place to be a fun place to work. And what is your bold legacy? Creating accessibility to great marketing for everyone, making, leaving the world where marketing is not a barrier to entry anymore. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for taking the time to join in on the Brand Party podcast today. Where can people find out more about you? My podcast, Hawk Talk, really easy to find on all different channels. And then also I'm on every social media channel at or slash Eric Huberman. So if you want to get me on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram, whatever, I'm on all of them. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Eric. All right. Thank you. Looking for additional support to create a clear, confident, and cohesive brand? Grab the guide that has helped business owners alike determine what's most important when you're just starting to build a brand so you can continue on with what you do best with a free brand consistency checklist when you sign up for the email newsletter. Get access right away straight to your inbox with the link in the show notes.